The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. Good day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry each month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print 21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Houston, publisher of Print 21 and of PK and Packaging News. And welcome all to the first episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, brought to you by Curry Group. Wayne, the print year has started off with a bang on many fronts. It sure has, Lindy. There's been many big stories, many things impacting on the industry, and with some good news in there. Yes, in this episode, we're going to be discussing some big wins for our peak industry body, the PBCA. They've done some good work for the industry, for apprentices, and in the voice referendum. We're also going to be looking at the ongoing travails of Australia Post and what this means for print and mail. And we'll be assessing the implications of the closure of Australia's only papermaking line. We'll also be looking at the growing move away from plastic packaging to paper and what that means for print. And we'll consider the achievements of the outdoor industry now that spend has topped $1 billion for the first time and looking at the challenges it faces. Quite the lineup, Wayne. So first off, Wayne, a big win for the industry and the PVCA in light of some damning figures on an industry survey. Yeah, that's right, Lindy. The industry says a major win, print apprentices are back on the Australian Apprenticeships Priority List. And this follows 12 months of intense lobbying by the PVCA. Um, The uh, reinstatement on the list, it means that print business owners can claim government wage subsidy support for their apprentices. It means they'll have access to various other claims for other payments and supports to assist in their studies. There are nine courses that print apprentices can now claim for. Uh, Go to print21.com.au for a full list of those, but basically it's all of them. The good news comes following that 12 months of rigorous lobbying. The government struck off in 2021, the previous government struck off the seven print apprenticeship courses and the uh, two screen printing courses. Uh, The rationale from the department was that there wasn't very many adverts for for, uh, print apprentices for young people, that the industry was, was going downhill. But of course, we know, and PBCA knows, and has been arguing, able to argue its case very strongly that uh, that wasn't the case at all, that print is a dynamic industry, it's changing, it's evolving, and it really needs its apprentices, uh, as every industry does. And of course, in the competition for apprentices, those apprentices that don't have to pay to do their apprenticeships and get support for their books and materials, well, as a young person you know, with not much money, they're going to choose those courses where they get that support. And if print isn't on that list, then we're going to, we would have suffered a defeat. So well done to PBCA for, for that. That story comes out just as we, a survey is released, a major industry-wide survey that shows that 76%, three-quarters of print businesses, are suffering from lack of labor. 40% of those have had job vacancies open for longer than 15 weeks. 67% for longer than 11 weeks. So it's, it's uh, labor is obviously a huge issue, of course, exacerbated by COVID, with the lack of, lack of uh, young people coming in, lack of any people coming in, lack of ability to attract labor from the traditional grounds of India, China, Vietnam, UK, South Africa. The majority of those open positions in the industry are for people that have done apprentices, particularly in printing machinery and finishing. In other words, they require strong technical competency. Print businesses are getting applications for jobs between one to five, 
uh, although very few of those applications are apparently coming through adverts in secum places. But worryingly, 94%, so in other words, almost all those applications are lacking in either skills or experience, and that causes the whole process to go on for much longer. Prentices are needed, new blood is needed. Majority of the, those people, printer machinists and finishing people in the industry, are now aged between 45 and 54 years old. So in 10 years' time, they'll be looking to move on to the next stage of their life. Where's the replacement going to come from? Well, ha thankfully now, hopefully it's going to come from young people coming into the industry. Well, print is competing with every other industry for staff. So it's really good to see that the PVCA is committed to driving stronger employment programs across the industry. It's also good to see the younger generation taking leadership roles in the industry. And congratulations from all of us at Print21 to Richard Eastall, who has taken over from his father, Wayne, as general manager at Marvel, Australia's biggest trade binding and finishing house. Yeah, great. Congratulations to Richard. And uh, he's one of several young people and young, younger generation are now coming in. Our sponsor that you mentioned earlier, Courier Group, they have a whole new generation of young people taking up the senior management roles there. So it is really good to see. But of course, that's entirely dependent on the training and education that those young people get. Richard Eastor, uh, the, the uh, new general manager at Wayne's company, he, uh, he did a degree in economics. He had 15 years on the factory floor in sales in the office. So obviously, it's had a lot of input, and we want to see that across the board uh, in the industry. Well, certainly, Wayne, one place that is not looking to attract new people but is making 200 staff redundant is the Opal Mill at Maryvale in Victoria's Latrobe Valley, which is now closing what is or was Australia's only papermaking line. And it is a very sad story indeed. Tell us more. Yeah, it is a fully functioning plant producing 200,000 tonnes of paper a year. Uh, it, was, it was a logs to sheep business. In other words, the logs came from Victorian state forests through into pulp through the factory and into sheets of paper, uncoated wood-free paper or copy of paper, roughly split 50-50. Uncoated wood-free is the, is the paper that's typically used in forms, envelopes, uh, bills, that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, of course, copy of paper from that mill totally dominated the Australian market. Reflex alone had an 80% market share. And then the, the other 20% was various other brands that they pumped out of there. The mill's closure has come about because green activists managed to persuade a Supreme Court judge that logging in Victoria's forest was detrimental to uh, one of the rare possums that is there. And state-owned forests had the rights to manage the state forest. In return, it got to log about 0.1% of the trees, most of which it claimed were either fallen or a bushfire risk or stifling growth. However, the judge ordered the logging company to take extra care. On top of all the other extra cares they've taken, the logging company said, we can't do any more. The contractors, they moved out. And sadly, on Christmas Eve, the, the uh, logs ran out of the mill. And so now the line is closed. The mill itself remains open because Maryvale Mill, Opal Paper, uh, produces a lot of its packaging grades from there. They come from a different type of paper. But the white paper goods, that's now all over. 200 staff will lose their job. 200,000 tons of paper will have to be imported into the country as a result every year. The money that was spent at the mill and, and then obviously going through to the local community, that will all go to China or Korea or Indonesia. It raises the whole, the whole there's been a lot of anger in the industry about this. The situation is a kind of microcosm story of what will happen across Australia in various fields over the coming years as we become more environmentally sensitive. How do we manage the balance between environmental concern, 
manufacturing, the lifestyle that we want, the economy of the of the country. They're all big issues that will that will play out over the years in various political terms. But for now, sadly for our industry, it means that the paper line's all over, but the mill is producing packaging grades and will continue. And there'll be several hundred workers still employed there on packaging lines. Well, that segues nicely to an emerging trend that could have major implications for print, Wayne, in the fiber-based space. Yeah, the interest from brands in fiber-based packaging is growing strongly uh, as part of the move away from plastic. And we've already seen the likes of Detmold convert the fantastic noodle cups the, the two-minute pot noodles from styrofoam to fiber, and they've saved millions of those cups a year going into landfill. Now we're seeing confectionery giants Nestle and Mars Wrigley about to trial paper uh, for their multiple confectionery products. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about that, Lindy. Yes, it is an interesting development. Um, it's not unexpected. It's following international trends where paper, um, paper-based flexible packaging is coming to the fore. Um, obviously, there's a lot of testing being done because barrier properties with paper um, are, can be a challenge. So what we've seen in this market is Nestle has already launched a trial, in, and they did this in January, in coal supermarkets in Northern Territory, Western Australia and Southern Australia, strategically choosing those geographical locations so that they could also test the supply chain and the temperature conditions for the paper's barrier properties. So then um, their announcement actually came after Mars Wrigley's announcement. Mars announced in November last year that it was going to trial um, or bring to market commercially successful paper-based packaging for its Mars bars, its Snickers, and its Milky Way chocolate ranges. And um, interestingly, with that product, with that packaging, that's been developed, fully developed here in the Australian market. Nestle's paper-based pack was developed in the UK, and but it's being trialed in Australia, which is also significant. So Mars has developed it here in collaboration with Amcor, which is the manufacturer of that pack. And um, all the R&D has been done at the Ballarat facility for Mars Wrigley. For both clients, and for both brand owners rather, this is the important thing, is that they're using Australia as the test market for insights that they will then roll out that will inform the rollout of their packaging globally. Now, Nestle is doing a, a dual strategy here because it is also at the same time developing prototypes in the flexible plastic space as well. But with the shortage of recycled flexible material that's available on the market, paper becomes a very attractive alternative, provided the consumer likes it, which I think they will, given the trends, um, and provided that the barrier properties can be up to scratch. Yeah, very interesting, Lindy. Um, there will be a lot of interest in this whole development uh, and there'll be a lot of flexo printers watching it with especially high interest, flexo print businesses, uh, with high interest or with fear, uh, because there's no doubt the trend will grow. And it could what it could mean for flexo printing, of course, is a diminishment in the volumes as the, if those volumes do switch to paper-based printing. Wayne, I have to ask, and forgive me for not knowing here, but if this is a flexible paper, could it not also be printed on a flexo line? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, of course, the inks would uh, would need to be different, any coatings would need to be different, uh, and possibly, obviously, paper is a different substrate to flexible packaging to, to plastic. The way it responds as it goes through a flexo line, 
is different. The way it absorbs ink and moisture is different. So the answer is, I don't know. But what I do know is that Screen, one of the world's preeminent print technology developers, they're in labels, they're in wide format, they're in high, high volume print, uh, and are known for their precise engineering Japanese company. Screen will show in Lucerne, at the Hunkler Innovation Days later this month, a flexible paper packaging press, which is designed as an alternative to flexible plastic packaging. Uh, it's called the PAC520P, for those who want to follow it up. Uh, it is in response to this trend for reducing plastic material. Screen says it's a high-speed, water-based inkjet digital press, and it uses new, newly developed proprietary water-based pigment inks that comply with food safety regulations for sustainable, flexible packaging operations. So in answer to your question, Lindy, is I don't actually know, but I would imagine, yes, you need a hole to print flexible paper. It is a different process to printing flexible plastics. And we're also seeing suppliers, so the, the paper and flexible suppliers coming to the fore with new barrier-based papers. So we saw this month Ball & Doggett has announced it is now the distributor for SAPI's sustainable barrier papers, specifically designed for this market. We don't know what the technology is or the, the structure of those papers and what they're using as their barrier, but apparently it is going to be a, a very feasible solution for food brands that are looking to make that switch from plastics to paper. Yeah, there's no doubt a huge amount of development from technology suppliers, material suppliers, and probably the brands themselves, as you're talking Nestle, uh, going on behind the scenes because everyone is very sensitive to, to plastic, uh, very aware of the fact that we do need to either move away from it or make it so it can be ultimately 100% recyclable. Food for thought, certainly for a lot of people. Curry Group's 2023 training courses are now available and open for registration. Curry Group offers a wide range of training courses across the company's extensive product portfolio. Courses range from greenfield through to experienced operators and production managers. The courses can also be designed to suit a company's specific needs, including practical examples of your typical work. Courses are held at regularly scheduled intervals in our fully equipped demonstration centre or on site. With our comprehensive training curriculum and hands-on practice, we provide the knowledge and skills necessary to utilise the full capabilities of our product portfolio. For more information, email Curry Group, info at currygroup.com.au. Now, moving on, Wayne, Australia Post has just released a shocking set of figures for its first half and has signaled its growing lack of confidence in mail. But mailing houses are telling us a different story and they're reporting that they are busier than ever. So what's going on? Yeah, Australia Post, it never ceases to amaze, Lindy. Uh, it's been losing more than a million dollars a day every day on its letters business over the last six months. Um, letters now represent just 18.8%, so less than, less than a fifth of revenue is now letters. Australia Post's letter strategy has baffled the print and mail industry for many years because the strategy seems to have been raise prices and cut service and I hope it will all work out. And uh, the print and mail industry have been saying, well, that's, you know, that's a recipe of disaster and we're seeing that in, it happening here. The bulk mail industry, which Australia Post in its public pronouncements doesn't seem to recognise and the media at large don't really know even exists. Financial Times, Financial Review did a piece recently 
which uh, we, we put them onto Kelly Northwood and Luke Pearsall, and they were amazed that this whole industry existed. Luke Pearsall, general manager of Active Mail, one of the kind of 15 or 20 medium-sized mailing houses in the country, um, he said the notions that letters are doomed is nonsense. Bulk, ma bulk mail in particular has a strong future if current trends are anything to go by. We've never been busier. So there's clearly a disconnect. Australia Post, its parcels business, has been covering over the cracks for many years because it's been booming. However, now it's kind of plateaued because COVID is over. People have been going back to stores and the, and the rapid growth in internet shopping, you know, online shopping, has, has kind of plateaued as we've all been able to go back into stores. And stores have been working extremely hard at giving people an in-store experience and Prince has benefited from that. If you go into a David Jones or a Maya, you'll see some fantastic experiential displays there, brand displays that are really uh, putting a lot of money into the print industry and some print businesses are doing really well at it, but through their own innovation, I mean, good on them. Uh, but for the mail industry, well, it's basically all up in the air. Uh, and Kelly Northwood, she's basically called for, she, was not, she has called for nothing off the table discussions with Australia Post. And uh, she says that we need a postal service, we need a letter service, but we're going to have to put everything on the table and think about how we move forward with it because it's clearly uh, no one's satisfied with the way it is at the moment. Unions aren't satisfied, government clearly isn't satisfied, there's a million bucks a day. Print and mail industry is far from satisfied. So a lot of, lot of letters, 880 million letters being posted, a lot of letters being posted. It's just how to make, how to make it work. Well, probably the biggest job OzPost will mail this year is the voice referendum pamphlet, but it took a campaign from PBCA and others to ensure that it was in fact going to be printed. It's hard to believe some sections of government wanted to scrap the printed pamphlet. What's the story there, Wayne? Yeah, yeah. The printed pamphlet is a, is a requirement with any referendum, has been for 100 years. Every referendum has had it. It basically puts out how the referendum works, what, as a citizen, what you have to do. And also gives both sides of the referendum, the yes or the no, whatever it was. The last one was the same-sex marriage before that republic, the Australia becoming a republic. Now it's the voice. They lay out the arguments for their particular point of view. The government's one of the standing committee said, no, we're all digital now. Let's scrap it. Possibly looking at the cost because it's going to be 9.3 million pamphlets mailed to every house and household in the country. The last one was 72 pages. I don't think the last one will be this, this one will be that big, but a massive print job, as you can imagine, a massive mail job. The PVCA ran a campaign. They strongly communicated with all government people, including Anthony Albanese, including the leader of the opposition, Peter Dutton, strongly requested Anthony Albanese to print it because the notion that we're a completely digitally enabled country is unsustainable. There's obviously a large cohort of, of elderly people and by elderly, we mean over 70 who are, who are not digitally enabled. You know, my parents being, being some of them. Um, there's a large cohort of uh, indigenous people, crucially, in a referendum about the voice who aren't digitally enabled either. Uh, print reaches everybody, of course, provided they can read, but print reaches everybody. Uh, and study after study after study show that it is actually the most trusted form of communication. And if um, a government pamphlet is coming out about the referendum, we can pretty much all trust that the words in there, uh, while being argumentative or persuasive for one side or the other, the actual facts that are in there will have to be on the money, will have to be correct, because 
government isn't going to put out any any nonsense. On the internet, of course, you'll find all all kinds of nonsense. But a printed document like that, so terrific. Well done to PBCA again. Two big wins, incidentally, for PBCA at the start of the year, the Princes and the Voice, uh, and it really shows the power of a of a united, strong industry association that is focused on the industry and what's going on. Well, we're about to see the voice campaign kick off and no doubt we're going to see the use of outdoor media to promote the messages, the various thoughts around the campaign. Now, in the outdoor media, we have seen a significant milestone in that sector. Yeah, Lindy, for the first time ever, the uh, revenue on outdoor media in Australia topped a billion dollars. It was, it's been on the rise for 20 years. A uh, little bit of a, a halt in the GFC, which incredibly was now 15 years ago. And then, of course, during COVID, outdoor media figures was completely smashed because no one was going to airports, no one was going to train stations, no one was commuting to work. So that revenue that was being spent on that to attract commuters' attention went. But since the end of COVID, it, outdoor media has come storming back, uh, mainly because it's the cut-through of the message uh, people can see they're driving to work, they're at the train station, at the airport, uh, they're watching a bus go by. It has an immediacy, immediacy and a strength that marketing agencies clearly love. Uh, so it's come storming back more than a billion dollars. Print share, and if you live in one of the major metro areas for sure, you'll see this print share of outdoor media is continuing to decline. Uh, digital outdoor media, because the technology has now become pretty cost-effective, pretty cheap, Digital outdoor media is growing fast and is now virtually on it. Well, it's on its way to two thirds, 60, 64% is now digital. And that was a growth of 5% over the same year, over the previous year. However, uh, while the print share of the market is diminishing, in actual cash terms, the amount spent on print continues to increase because the whole pie is increasing so much. So, print figures for 2022, the amount that's of spent amount of money spent on outdoor print in Australia, three hundred eighty million dollars, and that is up by five percent on the previous year. So, uh, outdoor media continues to be a, uh, a land of opportunity for print businesses of all kinds. Well, it's a sector not without its challenges, though, as the furor over the digital street furniture in Sydney has highlighted. But still, a land of opportunity, it would seem, and certainly that's on the mind of one of the most high-profile outdoor media personalities, Nathan Sable, who is embarking on a new venture. Yeah, Nathan Sable, well-known. Uh, he was the founder of OmniGraphics, which he sold to QMS five years ago. Then he became CEO of QMS Print, which uh, owns OmniGraphics, obviously, and two or three other wide-format print businesses. Um, he's left the company now, and he started his own business, SIXP, 6P, uh, and that's designed to be a, a whole uh, a holistic uh, outdoor media company providing not only print, uh, but also signage, promotional products, apparel, uh, and um, other activities such as catering, staff, logistics, even as far as strategic input. Uh, Nathan Sable, obviously, 21 years in the business. He said it's been time, it's time for a change. He saw an opportunity to create that full-service one-stop shop. So that's uh, great to see. Best wishes to him as he goes forward uh, in that new venture. Yes, we do wish him well. And also to all our listeners, we wish you very well as we head into 2023 and whatever it may bring us. So on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. And there's no doubt, Wayne, it has certainly been a big month. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We value your feedback as always. And that's it from me, Lindy Hewson, saying goodbye. 
And it's goodbye from this episode of The Print Pass from me, Wayne Robinson. Thanks to our sponsor, Curry Group. We look forward to you joining us again next time for It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print 21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.